and we're live on a Tuesday evening from Spokane. I'm Nathan Gustafson. I'm joined, as always, by Ethan McReynolds and Baylor Roy. And we're live on iHeartRadio FS1 of the Fox Sports app, as well as SoundCloud and Apple Podcast. And this is On the Sidelines. We do love to hear that intro. Uh, back to our normal uh, array of cast. Nate, thank you for joining us again. We're sad that you missed the last episode. Vinny did an incredible job of filling in. Um, we have a lot of sports to talk today. It's going to be a bit of a different Tuesday episode. We're not doing our normal Tuesday takeaways since the Cowboys and Ravens are playing. Are they playing right now? They're, they're playing at some point tonight. Yeah, no, they're, the game just started. Yeah. If so, I could just wait just real quick before we get going, I want to fill sure. our audience in on what I was doing. Uh, I was running around the streets of Spokane in my underwear, making sure that every single person I saw in the street was wearing a mask. I was doing God's work, Stop. making sure that we're doing all we can. No, I'm serious. Okay. Aside, if you go into a store, wear a mask, don't be an idiot in all seriousness. But I just yes. want our fans to know that I'm out doing all I can to ensure the safety of the community. Thanks, Nate. We I'm, I'm a fucking hero. Yeah, right. so uh, for today's Tuesday episode, uh, we're going to start actually with some college football. It's going to be more of a debate-heavy um, episode. Nate, we've all been having conversations with each other, various arguments that we've gotten over, uh, sport, sports debates, I, w- I would call it. It's not not arguments or anything. Uh, but disagreements that we have all had like separately that we're just going to throw into an episode and just all talk about. So, uh, Nate, I'm going to throw it over to you, and we're going to start with some college football. Okay, so, you know, we're still waiting for more information to come out, but at the moment it looks like Michigan is simply terrified of their rivals who have absolutely handed it to them the last couple years, Ohio State. Um, Harbaugh allowing his team to opt out of this game after being one of the people, and this is what's suspect to me, is at the outset of the season before the year ever started, Jim Harbaugh was one of the coaches in college football and in the Big Ten that was pushing for them to play so badly and now he's opting out of a game against Ohio State willingly that it appears could be played. Well, wait. Let, okay, wait. So let's back up just for a second, people that haven't heard this story, right? So it, so Michigan, so this is for this next weekend, right? So we're early in the week. Michigan opts out of playing their game against Ohio State due to an increase in COVID cases in general, right? But is it, it the, seems, what I'm saying is it seems no, no, I'm just because, like, yeah, yeah, that, that's, just, what, that's what's going on. Yeah, but summarizing you know, cases, the story. Cases were certainly going up in September when Harbaugh was one of the biggest advocates that the Big Ten play football this year, something that I agreed with. Um, you know, n- nothing against him advocating, warning his guys who had been putting in work the entire offseason to be able to safely play football games. I have nothing uh, against that at all. Um, but if you're going to take that stance in September and now you're opting out of a game that it, it at least appears from the outside could be played, it's not like Michigan or Ohio State is missing half their roster with positive tests. It's more just a, a general awareness of an increase in cases. And this, to me, uh, feels like Jim Harbaugh opting out of a game and trying to preserve his own job at Michigan. Well, okay. Well, so there's a couple of sides that I that I see here. Um, obviously Ohio state, their, their playoff hopes sort of hinge on playing enough games, sort of, some people think that I think they'll still get in no matter how many games they play. Right. I think they're just that good. Right. Oh, really? Yeah. I don't know. I'm just sort of making a blind assumption here. I mean, fields is good enough. And I think that like the, the other offensive talent they have is, is comparable to like a big 12 team and there's no big 12 teams this year. Uh, and I mean, their defense isn't is is better than most big that is better than Big Twelve teams are every year. Uh, so I really think that like it just comes down to I think they have to play like 
six games. Like they, they like five and zero versus like a, another team going like eleven and one, or it'll be interesting. Yeah. Like an SEC yeah. team going eleven and one makes it a tough argument. Um, no, but Baylor, I think a lot of this depends. There's at least one team where I can say this depends on how the rest of it plays out. Because the Big 12, every single team in the Big 12 has at least two losses. They won't be represented. The Pac-12 is playing an equally low number of games. So even if USC goes undefeated, they're obviously not going to get in over Ohio State, who is obviously a better team. The problem for Ohio State is that if Florida were to beat Alabama in an SEC title game, then mm-hmm. I think you could build an argument that, the and you know, Clemson, I'm assuming they beat Dame the second time around in an ACC title game. And then from there, I think you can make the argument that the four playoff teams would be Alabama, Florida, Clemson, and Notre Dame. And then Texas A&M and Ohio State are the other two teams. Ohio State's going to be undefeated. And then you have a one-loss A&M who's never going to have a chance at an SEC title game because they lost to Alabama, but that is their only loss. Yeah, and so that's why I think that, uh, I mean, I can, I'll, I'll make the transition here. Um, there is rumors that, I mean, A&M isn't playing this weekend and Ohio State obviously isn't playing this weekend. Um, and there's been a couple people on Twitter that have said that um, Ohio State is trying to talk to the Big Ten, uh, head of the Big Ten and see if they can get a game approved this weekend. Um, I think that would be massive. I think that whatever team wins that game has done enough um, to to make it into a, to make it in into the, the playoffs, right? Ohio State, uh, you know, like we've said, would at least have a win over a solid ranked team and Texas A&M would have wins over a lot of SEC teams and an Ohio state team that everyone thinks is at least close enough to the playoff picture. So it'd be definitely interesting to see uh, if the big 10 coordinator lets that get done. So let's say for the sake of hypotheticals, because if Florida gets a second loss, they're eliminated um, essentially. But if Florida were to, if Ohio state beats Texas A&M, Florida beats Bama, Clemson beats Notre Dame, Sort of, you know, it's it's tough to predict how the selection committee would react to things. So instead, I'll give my take of who I think should get in in that scenario. I think it should be Ohio State, Clemson, Florida, and Bama because you would have Florida and Dame both, you know, suffering their only losses in conference title games. You know, I don't think that you could reject a conference champion. And then from there, I think Bama has the far more impressive resume. Uh, despite Dame obviously beating Clemson, you know, even even without Trevor Lawrence, that's an impressive win. The guy with the really long last name, who's a five-star, played fantastically yeah. in that game. Uh, Notre Dame came out and put out a, a very impressive performance. But if you take away Clemson and Miami, and even Miami's a little bit sus as, you know, what a signature win that would be, uh, they don't really have a lot to fall back on, whereas Bama has beaten Georgia, they've beaten Texas A&M. If they're able to compete with Florida in an SEC title game, I, I think you have a hard time turning them away. So that makes, at least to me, if Florida were to pull off an upset, because if Florida doesn't pull off an upset, it's actually pretty straightforward in my opinion, because I think Ohio State deserves it over A&M, especially because their loss to Bama wasn't a blowout fashion. It wasn't a particularly close game. I don't know if they deserve another crack at that. And so if Florida falls to Bama in an SEC title game, I think pretty much irrefutably your four playoff teams have to be Ohio State, Bama, you know, Clemson, assuming they beat Dame. I'm, I'm kind of writing that one off, but I really feel like they're, I would be stunned to, to no end if, if Dame was able to pull off two straight wins against Clemson in the same season. And so I sort of would, you know, the four teams would be Ohio State, Bama, Clemson, and Dame. But what's unique, you know, and, and the thing that could really make this whole situation look a lot more messy is if Florida is able to get Bama in that SEC title game, and I think they're capable of it. So my only thing is, like, 
if Clemson just obliterates Notre Dame with Trevor Lawrence, I don't think Notre Dame should even be in the conversation because their only like signature win was over. Uh, well, they beat who did who was the other team they they beat they, they beat Clemson and Miami. Yeah, I'm, and other Miami, than that, it's it's your typical ACC garbage schedule that has yeah. you know nothing impressive. Exactly. So my my take is if if Clemson obliterates Notre Dame with Trevor Lawrence. DJ, oh, blah, 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 the guy on Clemson who played good, right? I mean, he's cool, but like he's no Trevor Lawrence, right? He's a he's a true freshman, five star, but he's not, you know, the number one pick next year. So if if Trevor Lawrence and Clemson just obliterate Notre Dame, I don't think Notre Dame should have any any even conversation. Even if Ohio State only has five wins, it's already proven that they they don't have a a, a chance against a team like. Uh, you know, Alabama or Clemson, if, if they're fully healthy um, without COVID cases. So, I mean, I don't know. It, it'll be interesting to see how it all plays out. Um, but for the sake of the discussion, yeah, I really hope. For, for what Texas it's worth, though, you do have to talk about, and by the way, they did not play. Uh, it was North Carolina, not Miami. They didn't get scheduled Miami, uh, Dame. That was my bad. Um, but you have to look at the fashion in which they've won games, too. And I think... Ohio State being pushed by Indiana in one of their only games, as, as well as Indiana's played, I don't think that you can write it off as not even being a discussion with this Michigan game being canceled. Because as of right now, you know, assuming Ohio State goes in and wins the Big Big Ten title game, that's either five or six wins, and that's really not a lot to go off of. So I, I think in order for them to get in, I, w- I will say it's very optimistic from Ohio State's perspective that in these initial selection committee rankings, they're already ranked ahead of Texas A&M. That's a good thing because clearly they're commanding respect even you know, having played a few less games. But what, what it's going to boil down to is you know, it, if they could schedule that game against Texas A&M, I think it would do a lot for adding closure to the situation and we would have a much bigger idea uh, of who deserves to be in that playoff spot. So I think that's why that game kind of, it, it would be fantastic to see it be played. Yeah. Um, so where do you think that Harbaugh will go? Because I just read a a, uh, a headline on ESPN saying that they're going to talk about his uh, future with the team after this season. So that kind of seems like he's going to leave, in yeah. my opinion. I think he – I would love to see him back in the NFL. And more specifically, I would like to see him not leave the state of Michigan. Uh, I don't know where he would go. That's tough to predict. And I would imagine that maybe he would be looking for a fresh start and wanting to find somewhere new, not staying in the same state. Uh, But I think it would be a great fit in Detroit. I I think him and Stafford would mesh well together. You got two really competitive guys. You know, the Lions are an organization that is, you know, historically just awful. Uh, You saw Harbaugh work his magic at virtually everywhere he's gone before he got to Michigan. And I know how poorly they've performed against good teams. Uh, but Michigan is far better off today than they were six years ago before Jim Harbaugh arrived. He's the one who got Stanford back on track. He's the one who got the Niners back on track after sucking for a decade. Uh, and I, th- I think he could do similar things in Detroit. I think very highly of Jim Harbaugh as a football coach. I know I was giving him, you know, a lot of crap earlier for backing out of a game, but that comes from disappointment. I really think he's a quality football coach. And getting beat by teams that simply have better football players, you know, specifically Ohio State, you know, he, he's just simply outmatched in terms of talent. And if he found himself in Detroit with Stafford, with Galladay, with DeAndre Swift, you know, they got Akuda defensively. They at least have, you know, some key pieces to build around. 
as much of an advocate as I've been for Matt Stafford to get out of Detroit, I think Jim Harbaugh is kind of the right guy to turn the ship around there. I mean, my only thing is he just hasn't really – what year – he got there in 2013, 2014. To Michigan? Yeah. I think 14 or 15. So 14 or 15, they didn't make a bowl game in either of those years. They, they beat Florida, and then they lost to Florida State, lost to South Carolina, lost to Florida, lost to Bama. Yeah, but bowl, bowl games at the end of the day, like especially with the way that we've moved toward a playoff, I think a lot of teams are like disheartened for those games, and they don't really mean all that much. I mean, he he undoubtedly turned Michigan around. Look at their overall records before and after he got there. He he righted the ship in San Francisco. He made, he put Stanford on the map again. Um, you know, brought you know like a, the culture that he brought to Stanford lasted a, de- a decade long of a school with a history of having too stringent of academic requirements in order to be competitive on the national level. And, you know, I mean, you could argue that Toby Gerhardt and Andrew Luck had a lot to do with making them more, uh, p- putting them in the eyes of more recruits as well. But Jim Harbaugh is the one who put together the Stanford program. He righted the ship in Michigan. He fixed the 49ers. And, and I think he could turn things around in Detroit. And I think you're going to be limited. You know, he, he has history against him. The Lions are just a historically awful franchise. Who, who have been known to repeatedly waste talent time and again. But I would like to see Harbaugh have that chance. That would be my desired location for him. You think even, even with, I, I don't know. I mean, what, he, what has John Harbaugh done at Michigan that makes you think he deserves another chance in NFL? I mean, okay, his Jim record, Harbaugh? he's yeah. been, in, in his record at Michigan has been, let me, I mean, you would think basically, that... Uh, basically, uh, the critique of Harbaugh at Michigan is not that he's been a terrible coach all the way through. It's that he's folded against good teams and that he's he's gotten Michigan ready to go. They beat the teams that they should win, and they lose to ranked opponents, specifically Ohio State. Has basically 30, been the MO. 49 and 8, 11, 16. Uh, 49 and 22 is what he's been. And that's, that's a pretty quality win percentage. Especially for, for a school who, if you look at the previous decade before he got there, was virtually or completely irrelevant. I mean, I suppose, but shouldn't any coach that has coached in the NFL be able to X's and O's and beat any team that is less talented than them? Shouldn't that be expected well, and no, not I praised? Di- I disagree because the game's quite you know a I mean, bit different. Though? The NFL and college games are very different. Yeah, um, and, and Jim Harbaugh... Ethan, though, like you, know, with you, how you much, see what I'm saying, much, though, how much respect Harbaugh had going in, like how high of like people thought he didn't. This a lot of people hate Jim Harbaugh and refuse to give him credit for anything. I mean, he, there's a he lot had of, a lot of success in San Francisco. I, I think, thought that him going down to the college level, which is not how everybody looks at it, but that's how I that's how I see it going down a level. Right. And I thought he would, you know, they, he'd create like an Alabama type, no, Ohio State, Clemson yeah, but type. Nick, Nick Saban was a horrible coach in the NFL. It's just, it's too, it's, and that's nothing to say that Nick Saban isn't a great football coach. It's that it's two completely different games. Coaching at the collegiate and NFL level is very different. Yeah. It's not that it's stepping down from one to another. It's, it's entering an, an entirely new realm where the whole game is completely different. What you're asked to do is completely different. Sure. Well, okay. So... Do we? So did he move? And like Chip Kelly is having a hard time fixing UCLA right now after being a phenomenal coach at Oregon and finding, you know, it's, uh, I think a year of, you know, uh, no, he's pretty bad in San Francisco. But you know what terrible. I mean? Yeah. He was fine in Philadelphia, though. Yeah, he was fine in Philly. Yeah. Um, 
they, they made the playoffs the one year in 2000. He, you know, he had Nick Foles throw 27 touchdowns to two picks in, in 10 games in a season. That's pretty crazy. And now he's Didn't at UCLA. Have touchdowns in a game that season? What's up? Didn't Foles have seven touchdowns in a game that season? He did. It was against Oakland on an afternoon, and I saw the score, and I was like, oh, man, Shady McCoy must have hella fantasy points. <laughs> and then I was like, only one receiving touchdown. Tough. <laughs> That's but, super funny. Yeah. Um, but it's it's just different. Uh, I think me and Joel Klatt are probably the last two Harbaugh defenders uh, in all of the United States. No, and I I mean personally, I have a lot of respect for John Harbaugh and Jim what, Harbaugh. Just, John Harbaugh's at Baltimore. I've, I've done it. I'm sorry. <laughs> I have a lot of respect for Jim Harbaugh and what he was able to do in San Francisco. I mean, like going toe to toe with those amazing Seahawk teams, um, but. It's, you got to remember um, the Niners were awful before he got there. I know. He's, no, he's I know. He's a fiery guy. I will say this about Jim Harbaugh. If you notice, and it's kind of happening again here, I do think because of that fiery personality, I think he burns out on people. He he. No, burned. I think it's just no. I think it's more. I don't think he burns out, but I think when he's successful, it's okay. But when you're bad, it's bad. No, it's it's not. Like you have to be I think successful you're, you're misunderstanding strategy. what I'm saying, though. I think his personality wears out on his superiors. Because it happened yeah, in San Francisco. I'm not being successful. I get the San, like, but especially at Michigan, but right? He, like he's he got fired for an eight and eight season in San Francisco. You know, like most guys don't get fired for eight and eight. Jim Harbaugh did, and I think a lot of that has to do with him butting heads with his superiors. What? Yeah, but you could see that that team was sort of deteriorating. Like they had to blow some things up. Like the eight and eight season was not a success. No, it was very much a failure compared yeah. to the previous few seasons. Exactly. That's what but I'm Jim saying. Harbaugh, for the most part, for the most part, if you take a team to a Super Bowl in the NFL and in your five seasons at an organization make the playoffs four times, uh, you know, you've several playoff wins over the, over that time stretch, losing in one NFC championship game another year where they won, or I think they lost in two NFC championship games, one to the Giants and one to the Seahawks, and then made a Super Bowl. There was clearly a whole lot of success that Jim Harbaugh, usually that buys you years. Like, think about how long Tom Coughlin kept his job in New York based on those two Super Bowl wins after he was proven to be pretty well, exactly, ineffective for but a I while. Exactly, but I think what me and Baylor are you saying is You buy goodwill that, by winning. Right, but he was able to buy, he wasn't able to buy as, as many years because of his the, the personality issues. No, that's what I'm one. saying. Oh, okay, that's what you're saying. That's what I'm saying. What were you saying, Baylor? No, no, that, I... That's the same thing. I think oh, we're all at cool. The same wow, amazing. Yeah, I'm. I'm saying I think his personality wears people down, so that way he has a shorter leash. Okay. Yeah. yeah. And I think that yeah. you know right. the the success seems to fade after the first couple of years. He's found a lot of success, and like even look at Michigan when he got there, it was like his second and third year there that they had close run-ins with Ohio State, not the mm -hmm. blowouts that have happened the last couple. I so also he, don't think he's that. Is he that good of a recruiter? Because like the the best years he's had were like when he was working with talent, he didn't recruit. Exactly. Like who, I, I was actually going to ask this, like well, yeah, but what, see, what NFL talent has come out of Michigan in the recent years? I mean, there's Rashawn Gary, Devin uh, Bush, Peoples Jones, Devin Bush, Chase Vinovich, Jabril Peppers. Was Jabril that Peppers. a, was he a Harbaugh recruit though? No, Jabril no, Peppers wasn't. Was. Donovan Peoples Jones was, uh, Jabril Devin Peppers Bush wasn't. wasn't. Are we sure about that? Jabril Peppers was, uh, he came in the league 20, like four or five years ago, right? Did he really? Yeah. 2017, right? Jabril Peppers was 2017. It would have been dropped. a minute. I didn't know he was the 2017 draft class. I thought he was more. No, he's I thought this was like his second or third year in the league. No, it's sort of been no, a minute. It's like his fourth or fifth because he was on the Giants. Yeah. Yeah, he was, he was drafted in 2016. 
So he was not a Harbaugh recruit. He wasn't a Harbaugh recruit. Devin Bush was, I'm pretty sure. Uh, Rashawn Gary was. Uh, but yeah, he hasn't really gotten a lot of like mm-hmm. high-end. Yeah. Peppers was recruit. the 2017 draft class. I yeah. mean, yeah, but I, that, that's even more of an argument for him to go back to the NFL level. I don't think Jim Harbaugh is a bad recruiter. I also don't think he's... How is he not a bad recruiter if he hasn't gotten a good recruiting class? Michigan regularly has like not bad recruiting classes. I think they've so been second. They've out? had the second best ranked, you know, draft classes in the Big Ten year in year out. I don't know. Bringing in a name like, like John I don't, Harbaugh, I don't think, I don't, Jim Harbaugh. I don't think Jim Harbaugh <laughs> is a Nick Saban, an Ed Orgeron, a Jimbo Fisher, a Dabo Sweeney level recruiter, but he's a good recruiter. Like, like compared to the average college I football coach, like, the only thing is when you're making the money that Jim Harbaugh's making and the expectations are set at Michigan to what they expect him to do, then, you know, above average recruiting is not acceptable. That's what I'm saying. I'm saying that bringing in a big name like Jim Harbaugh with the success that you saw in the NFL, you were expecting to be better than Ohio State at this point. Really? So, Nate, they've yeah. been, they've been eight. I think so. Fifth, I think that's eight, unreasonable. Eight, fifth, 22nd. Um, this is in the nation? Yeah, in the nation. Yeah. So those are pretty good Eight numbers. Again, and 14th. So those, and he just isn't doing anything with this talent. Those are those are pretty high quality numbers. What do you mean not doing anything? They're winning football games. They just can't win big games against good teams. But you, you that's you're, that's you're what you're paid to do exactly. though. Yeah. That's exactly what you're paid Which to do. Which is why I agree he's in a bad situation and he's ultimately How is he in a bad situation if he's doing good recruiting? He, he has you're, let he has let he is recruiting class for this good. The entire time we've had arguments about Michigan and you're defending J, uh, Jim Harbaugh, yeah. it's been they don't have the talent that Ohio State has. They don't have they the talent that Ohio State has. No they don't. No they don't. No they don't. No they don't. Seven recruiting classes twice out of the last 5 years. They've had Come better on, recruiting dude. classes twice in 5. Okay. Twice. So Shea Patterson at quarterback or JT Barrett, Dwayne Haskins, Justin Fields at quarterback. These things matter. Ezekiel, Ezekiel Elliott matters. Jeff Akuda matters. Chase Young matters. Nick Bosa but skipped most no, no, of the time. Joey Bosa matters. The, the, okay. I'm pretty so sure. So you're that. saying that Ohio State simply develops talent better than Jim Harbaugh does? Yes. And if that's your argument, then maybe there's some validity to it. But I've never known... Jim Harbaugh over the course of his coaching career that I've observed over the last 15 years, have I deemed him a poor, uh, you know, talent, a, a poor developer of talent. That, that's well, not what I believe him to be. Looking at it from a very outside perspective, I don't know a lot about college football. I've not been following that much. The fact that Jim Harbaugh has these high recruiting classes that you just said they were, right? And yeah, he's like, he's, he's, he's he a hasn't good recruit. had many... No, but he hasn't he has, had the has, rosters to beat Ohio State like that. That's all I'm saying. And I will say, sure. His, then why doesn't he have these, record, Why doesn't he have any like many of these guys from these high recruiting classes going super high in the draft? So you're saying that they should be developing at a better rate? Yeah. Yes, that's exactly. So, right. And none of that falls on the players themselves. It all falls on Jim Harbaugh's shoulders. You it can't just say that coaching, none of it falls yeah. on Jim Harbaugh. I'm not saying none of it does. I'm saying that my it observation of Jim Harbaugh over the course of the last 15 years is that he's a good developer of talent. Wait, so you're okay, saying you can you're look saying at, you can look every at single one of these guys. His days at San Diego State, his days in San Francisco, wait, 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 wait. he has talk, regularly made more out of rosters than we're is given speci- to him. We're specifically talking about Michigan right now. So yeah, but, in his but what t- I'm saying about is his he, he deserves, he deserves to be looked at as more than just what he's done at Michigan because I know who he is as a coach because I've watched it since I was a kid. No, I agree, and I think that's why it's surprising that 
looking at his tenure at Michigan, at Michigan again, getting back to the it point. It has overall been a letdown, yes. which I agree with. And now here's here's my point. So you're going to tell me that all of these players that made up a number eight in the nation recruiting class? Number yeah. five. Number okay. five. Number five one year, yeah. You're saying that every single one of those players, it's their fault I'm saying, only I'm saying, for not developing no. into a first-round pick That's or something, for example. That's not, then there's, who's there's fault been a lot of it? draft picks. Look at look at okay. So right now, essentially, what you guys are doing is that because there's no big names coming out of Michigan, you're trying to act like they haven't put talent in the NFL. Look at total players drafted out of a university since Jim Harbaugh got to Michigan, and I bet Michigan's in the top ten to fifteen schools. So, I guarantee it. So just my from Harbaugh's is Rashawn Gary Rain. was the Nate Rashawn Gary was the number one player in the nation, and this dude fell off and was like is uh, okay so he hasn't been that great for green bay since they took him in either the first or second round either is that matt lefleur's fault partly but it's no i disagree college it's the i think it's rashawn gary's fault if rashawn gary isn't an excellent player that's on rashawn gary because there's guys from horrible schools who are three stars who end up being really good and there's five stars who fall off that's part of the sport so Nate, you are right. They're probably up to the top because I'm looking and they have two, six, nine, like 11, 20 something, 20, 30. They're at like 45, 50 players that have been drafted in the NFL. But out of those 45, 50 players, one has made a Pro Bowl. One. Okay, but that, one that, that, I don't see how that's Jim Harbaugh's fault. Because you're supposed to develop talent as a college coach. You go to college to be developed. If you're, if you're a high-end player, if you're a fifth in the nation, yeah, I, I fundamentally you're going disagree. to Michigan. It's like the conversation we had about Jackson State the other day. Kids are going to go to Jackson State to, be, to learn from guys like Deion Sanders, guys like Warren Sapp, because that's what you do in college. You go to a college if you're a high-end talent, to get ready for the NFL. And Jim Harbaugh is not getting these guys ready for the NFL. He's, he's putting them all in the NFL. Like, you're literally, you literally good. just said that he's putting them in the NFL and they're not succeeding once they're there. Okay. How Six the fuck is that Jim Harbaugh's fault? One, two, you literally three, just said four, how many five, draft picks Michigan has put in the NFL. Nate, Nate, you just five said. First round picks. Okay. They are majority. Sixth, 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 fifth, fifth. Fifth, fifth. They're draft picks. Fifth, He's sixth, putting guys in fifth, the NFL. Fourth, fourth. And they're not doing He's anything. He's putting guys in the NFL. And they're not doing anything. And that's on them. That's on him. And if I were an NFL coach, I would be highly happy to have Jim Harbaugh, who's proven at every school that he's been to that he leaves it better than he found it. He did it at Stanford. He did it in San Francisco. He'll do it again. They're two and four. And they just wait, wait, okay, wait. Let their me, last. Let me, let me, let me, chi- let me chime in. The fresh air is leaving the Ohio State game. Let me, let me chime in really. His last moment. What? And assuming and, he leaves Michigan, which I hope he does, he needs greener pastures. Harbaugh, he should go to Detroit. Not have a long leash at wherever he goes because he's just he is not it right now. It, Michigan is just not as good as they were supposed to be with a dude who's getting paid eleven million dollars a year. Yeah, but Michigan was awful before he got there. They were irrelevant, and now they've been like decent. They've, they've, they've been, you know, repeatedly ranked in the top 10 to 15 teams in the country over the course of the last five years. Some of that credit ought to be given to Harbaugh, even though, like I've admitted repeatedly, he's folded against good teams. But the win percentage before he got there against after he got there, he has clearly left that school 
better than he found it. If you're he the, turned the Niners you, if, around. He turned if, Stanford around. Nate, if you're the fourth highest paid coach in the entire nation, which Jim Harbaugh <laughs> is, you, you need to do better than consistently come in second place to... Who, you in, in who your, are the top your, three out of curiosity? Nick Saban, Dabo Ed, Sweeney, and who? Ed, or- Ed Orgeron. Oh, because he just got renewed. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, and the same thing's going on in Texas right now with Herman, who I also think is a very good mind and a great football coach. They're not producing. Yeah, and I'm, I, I think that Jim Harbaugh can go back to the NFL, and that's someone that you can, like, take a risk on as, you know, a failing franchise in the Lions or, like, the Jets. I think that's totally an option. That's not what I'm arguing. We're talking about his tenure at Michigan, and it has not gone to plan. It has been John Harbaugh short of expectations and subpar. Thank you. That's all that we're arguing. That's all that I'm arguing. Uh, Okay, so all I'm saying is that I generally excuse Jim Harbaugh's wins. It's not just losing to Ohio State. That's my main thing. Is that like I understand him losing to Ohio State. His losing record against Michigan State, not tolerable. He's had rosters that should be good enough to beat Michigan State. He shouldn't lose all those bowl games. Although I think that, you know, in modern college football, bowl games mean inherently less, and it's tough to motivate guys for those games. I, like, yeah. you, can't, you can't just keep making excuses and giving up the fact that he's been bad and just be like, okay, yeah, no, he deserves to be an NFL coach now. He does deserve to be an NFL coach because he's, he's had success at the at NFL level. Well, how many guys can say that they've won, what, five or six playoff games in the NFL? How many guys can say that, especially inheriting – an organization that was absolutely fucking awful before he got there for a decade. He gets there in their winning playoff game. Stanford was irrelevant. They were a school with too stringent of academic requirements in order to actually see any success as a university. And and look where Stanford football was for a decade because of Jim Harbaugh. I just, I, I don't think you can keep making excuses for a guy who in the okay, last- Okay, so me citing, my, me citing other examples well, where Jim Harbaugh has been a phenomenal been coach are now excuses. They're excuses. It's, it's no, but it, it it is an excuse because no, but you're you're writing off his success as a football coach as an excuse, and I'm saying that's bullshit. Yeah, because he has it's this. You look at what have you done for me lately, especially with a guy who's a dick and no one likes. It's what have you done for me? No, lately? he's just fiery. They like him at first. He just wears on people. Exactly. That it's more proving my point is that a guy like that is not going to get is not going to be someone at that a team's going to want to hire if you look at his his track record recently. No, but his track record is taking historically or, you know, at least recently horrible organizations and then turning them around and making them competitive again. That's his reputation. That's what his reputation is. Michigan sucked. He got to Michigan. Whether they won or didn't win, they were competitive again. I feel like there the are Niners different... The Niners sucked. He got there. They're competitive again. I feel like there are different coaches who have been more successful lately than... Jim Harbaugh has been that NFL teams will go to hire. So out of the, out of the top, we'll go top 12 coaches uh, in, in, in payroll, Jim Harbaugh, Gus Malzahn and uh, Gus Malzahn, Gary Patterson and Tom Herman are the only ones who have not made a playoff. None of those guys are getting offers. Why does Jim Harbaugh because of stuff he did seven years ago? Yes. Because it still matters, him proving him turning around every team that he look goes to what, matters. Look at what look at what coaches are getting hired from from college. and and Tom Herman and Tom Herman will be getting NFL offers. With, 
are young coaches that are good with good with players, right? It's it's uh, Cliff Kingsbury. It's Lincoln Riley's going to get some offers. Sean it's, McVay. Uh, Sean McVay. Yeah, but Sean, Mc, Sean McVay is the only McVay one of the of, of the guys that we're talking about right now that has had an equal amount of success in the NFL is Jim Harbaugh. And even Jim Harbaugh has had more NFL success than Sean McVay. And it's not really close in a different era though. I think the game. Yeah, so what is it, that? It's a completely different era. No, it's I not. I think that, yeah, you definitely yeah, have to take that not. into account. Football is still football. Sure. It's not all that different, but if you look at teams, you still got to be able to turn around in an organization, be a good leader, set an example. You have to be a good motivator of men and you have to understand the X's and O's of the game. Right, but it's like Jim Harbaugh absolutely qualifies all and, and meets all those expectations. I don't know. It's like looking at like like the John Gruden hire. Like that's such an out of touch with modern football. But John Gruden you know I mean? is leaving the Raiders better than they were before he got Not, there. I mean, like there's still like a middling friend. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, but he, they're they're in, they're in the middle of a complete rebuild, and they're one of the youngest teams in football. I think John Gruden's also a good coach. This idea that you have to have a 31-year-old offensive wizard no, to you head don't. your organization is just silly. You don't, but like with the way that the game is innovating, integrating more analytics and stuff, I feel I feel like the younger wave of coaches are going to be more open to that and more receptive and more willing to adapt from old school ways. Like I don't think that John Gruden and that rebuild is going to work out in Oakland because of that reason. I think he's too old school. Yeah, so I mean I and so, so fair enough. I mean, we can, we going, can see how going, that pans Going out. back to Jim, yeah, we can see it. But going back to my point relating that to Jim Harbaugh, yeah, he had success seven years ago. And do I think that he's a capable NFL coach? Yes, but you're not like hiring him, getting ready for a rebuild. You know what I mean? If you're going to rebuild, you're going to start in the foundation and you're going to try and find a, a young guy like Sean McVay, Cliff Kingsbury that you can build around. Like we talk about building around coaches or quarterbacks, but like the coaching staff is incredibly important as well. You need to yeah. have your guy. But I'm telling you, I've witnessed Jim Harbaugh turn around crappy organizations too many times for me to not want to see him get another chance in the NFL. I've seen it. I think it'd be. I think it's it'd be proven. I think it'd be fine if he got an opportunity. I just I can understand why teams wouldn't be calling. No, yeah, that, that's that's completely a fair point. Yeah. That, that I'm not arguing with. But if you're sitting here telling me that Jim Harbaugh's a terrible coach who doesn't deserve another chance in the NFL, I think that's nonsensical crap. No, no. All I was saying was that everything that he has done at Michigan has been short of expectations. Yeah, but I, and also who's setting those expectations? Michigan, his payroll. What? Do you, what? I, I mean, mean, like that too, but also just like I don't. That's know. a very like quantifiable like, expectation. He's fourth in the in the fourth NCAA. in the nation. The only people ahead of him have all made no, the playoffs. No, no, you can't. You can't like. Okay, that that's a very significant like part of this. So and, like, what we're both arguing. I mean, fa fair enough about the money, but I've never looked at Michigan's talent and said to myself, "How the hell is Jim exactly. Harbaugh not beating Ohio State?" The recruiting classes he gets, he should develop them into being good. <laughs> it's eighth in the nation. They are good. You literally just told me a minute ago how many players he's put in the NFL. Like, I don't know what to tell you. I so don't. Howard, so you can't First say, of all, first of all, you need to factor in the importance of the quarterback position. And second of all, <laughs> recruiting only goes so far. You're not the same player at 18 that you are when you get older. And not all of that falls on the head coach. I will agree that he deserves some fault for what you're describing. And I think that Michigan should have been better than they have been for the last five years. But like, I, I've never like looked at Michigan and had the expectation like, wow, how are you not beating Ohio State and Bama? That has never crossed my mind. Like, 
I, I'm sort of in between the two of you guys in this discussion because like Baylor, it's it's Jim Har it's Jim Harbaugh's job to develop them into NFL prospects, which and you can't fault him for that, that's not entirely his job description. That's part no, of it, but no, it's but mainly that's part of the development. Games. That's yeah, but that's part. I'm I'm talking like strictly like development. Fair. He's trying to developmentally wise. He wants to put these kids, grow their talents, so that the people at the next level want them on their football team. But I think that's like tier two. I think his first job is to win football games. I'm not saying that's his first job. I'm yeah. I'm strictly in the developmental category. Okay. And sure, like grow them, and that means that they win football games because they're ready to play in the NFL, right? But Baylor, I don't think you can fault Jim Harbaugh for a first-round pick, Jabril Peppers, not getting re-signed by the Cleveland Browns. Like he's putting him in a position to go to an NFL team, and then like he's not even involved in the development of that player in the NFL. Like I don't think you can fault, you know what I, I mean? On like the at, Pro Bowls. All right, we want to look at first-round first-round picks. He's had four. In the last six years, which isn't how many like is, how many has Nick Saban had? How many has Ed Orgeron had? How many has Dabo Sweeney had? Yeah, how but you just you just brought had? up the three best recruiters in college football, like. Well, I I see. Not I to mention that the, the no, man I, I, Michigan I, I, doesn't have quite the power that Alabama, LSU, Clemson, and Ohio State have. Sure, but also think? like they're paying him like one of those guys, and that's the issue. You know what I mean? Okay, so if your argument is Jim Harbaugh is overpaid, then I agree. Okay, that's one small part of the entire overarching art. We're, we're if, if the at, argument is Jim hey, Harbaugh is overpaid, I agree with you. If it's Jim Harbaugh has fallen short of expectations, I agree with you. If it's Jim Harbaugh is a bad coach who won't succeed in the NFL again, I disagree with you. I think that's what Baylor's arguing. And I, I completely disagree. And it's probably slightly exactly. And it all depends on situation, right? If he goes to the Jets... All like no one like whoever the Jets hire is not going to win. Not even with Trevor Lawrence coming in. Well, I mean Trevor Lawrence and absolutely no other talent, so it would at least be delayed a few years. The Jets oh, well, are a yeah. team who needs to hire like what you were saying for the future. Yeah, the Jets are a team that should look for a young coach who they can be patient with. The same way the Niners were patient with Shanahan, where Shanahan wasn't super successful year one or year two. They they should look to a young guy who they can wait on for a couple years while they cultivate. And ideally, you know, turn their franchise around. They have draft picks. They need Trevor to pan out. You know, there's a lot going on there. Anyway, we're 40 minutes into this uh, debate, friendly debate. I will remind everyone. Okay. Um, you want to go on to our NFL topics? Yeah, let's, yeah, let's do that. So the Seahawks dropped a big one uh, this weekend to the New York football giants. Uh, very unfortunate for myself as a Seahawks fan. Uh, it puts the division in a – we're now uh, a wild-card team based off tiebreakers, the Los Angeles Rams. Um, and Russell Wilson really just has not built upon that. those first six weeks. He was, you know, front row of the MVP. I think he's safely out of the MVP conversation, which we'll we'll talk about later. Um, he's just the just whole season, like his play has just regressed to a point that – Nate, Nate, Nate mentioned that he thinks it's regression to the mean, which I personally mm, don't I didn't agree say with. that. I think it's you did. just, well, no, no. Well, part of that I was can, to like, annoy quote you. The text. Part of that was to annoy you. But like, okay, I, don't, I don't think it's entirely regression to the mean. I think it's like partly that, though. I, I think there's a lot of factors. Like, he's been playing better defenses. There's a lot going on. You can't expect guys to be hot all the time. But I don't think that Russell Wilson is 
you know, the guy averaging three and a half touchdowns per game that he was through the first seven games of the year. No, and I mean, like, he was on a historic yeah, pace. Pace, right? Like, and now so he's not. I, I did not expect him to, to keep that up. I expected him to be good enough to get a, get a couple MVP votes, whatever, have a very, very good season, the best of his career. He's still um, not going to get an MVP vote. Huh? He's still not going to get an MVP vote. I know. Vote. I understand. I would be very surprised. He's not going to get an MVP vote until he goes, unless he goes absolutely berserk less for it. I mean, absolutely berserk. Um, but I, I don't even, I can't even like put my finger on the problem. Because, like, Nate, you, you mentioned in your text to me, like, he still looks like Russell Wilson, like a, a very above-average, like, at the very minimum, a very above-average quarterback who, like, knows what he's doing, leading the offense, like, all this stuff. Yet the production just isn't there. And yeah, it, it's it falling makes, off a cliff. It makes, I mean, no, DK, it makes no sense to me. DK is not giving him much help. I think no, he he's not. Six or seven drops in yeah. the last three weeks. Like, it's been bad. And I remember two specifically against Arizona – and he dropped another tutty against the Giants, right? I mean, at the end of the day, look, so I I have never bought into the whole Calvin Johnson. Like, you keep making jokes about it, Nate. Like, oh, apparently DK is like this, the second coming of Jesus Christ. I have never once, that has never come out of my mouth. Yeah, but when the city you represent is repeatedly spewing that crap, I have to come at you. You're my outlet. <laughs> I'm sorry that it has to be that way, but that's just how it is. Now, look, DK is... A budding superstar. I think that he's going to become one of the best, one of the better wide receivers in the National Football League. He's not there yet. And like he's having an incredible act year. Like he is. Huh? But people act like he is. He's not. Sure. The minority of Seahawks fans, like uh, yeah. No, the, like, no, no. There's people on Twitter that are not Seahawks fans that act like this dude is the second coming. He's not. I, I mean, look, so physical attributes like no, I mean, DK, DK himself and I'll express some, you know, my beef that I have with with DK's general demeanor toward opponents. And and, you know, Jim Schwartz comes up to him after a game and says, hey, you know, I coached Calvin and, you know, you're on track, man. You're the closest I've seen. And he goes, oh, the closest you've seen. I'm not Calvin. I, I, I cooked that personally. Come on, bro. He's like, who, jo- come he on, joking about that. No, he he like very like he felt the need. He went out of his way to take to social media and tweet. And I took that personally when he was being yeah, complimented by meme. an opposing coach. The reference behind that is that he, Michael Jordan, used a fabrication to motivate him. Are you sure? DK did the exact it, same thing. I don't. I don't. No, think what Ethan just said made sense, but I don't think no, that's I think what you're right. But what it's literally a Michael Jordan story. I don't think DK he fabricated it to motivate Wait, himself. So now you're saying that DK is Michael Jordan. Oh my god! I, know, I don't. I'm I don't think DK Metcalf thinks that much. <laughs> but that, that made sense, right? Yeah. No. What, what you're saying makes like sense. it's literally a joke. No, but he he brought it up in like a press conference after the game. That, I know. Ju- no, like, but that, that Jim Schwartz thing. was talking crap to him. But yeah, but okay. It's the exact same thing. Maybe it's just thing. me, but I don't have respect for that. And then starting starting fights with opponents every game, and then your team getting 15 yard penalty. Okay, Ethan, tell me if this isn't true in your personal life. I'll, I'll do. I'll be Colin Cowherd and apply sports to life real quick. <laughs> If there's someone around you who you know who has beef with everyone, is it not usually that person? If DK's starting fights and, and the the person who's involved in every altercation in three or four games this year and DK's at the center of all of it, how could DK not be the problem? Because even during the Cardinals game, you were like, no, Drake Kirkpatrick obviously started that. But what I'm saying is when DK is at the center of everything that's happening in altercations with other teams, look, and, and maybe... Look, if DK played for my team, if he was a Colt and he was doing that, maybe not a Colt because that's not really the nature, uh, you know, of the team that that Ballard has built. It's mostly humble guys. 
But, you know, I, I'm all for that stuff if it's one of my guys because I think it's hilarious. So I right. would be fine, Ethan, with you taking the stance, yeah, DK is a cocky asshole. He backs it up and he goes out there and he balls out. That's fine. But just don't act like he's like this humble, nice guy. Like he is a villain. Just say, I'm rooting for the villain. It's perfectly okay. You want me to like quote unquote say that? No, you don't, you don't have to say it. But what I'm saying is I think that you are rooting for a villain. And the way to go about rooting for a villain is not to try to like sugarcoat it. You just come out and say, yeah. He's, he's a jerk, but he does his job as good as anyone, and he's out there balling, and he backs now, it up. Look, specifically with the Eagles game, which is where you came at me with this theory, yeah. right? It seemed like the team, like, made an emphasis to, like, target him. And DK Metcalf isn't going to back down from that, right? He's not just going to, like, let it happen. He's going to push back, right? I don't know who started it. We can, like... What I'm saying is I don't know for sure who started it either, but my prediction is that since DK is involved with every altercation with every team that he plays, it's probably him. Sure. Okay. I Look, I don't know. What did, what did you think of Richard Sherman with this time with the Seahawks? I hated him. Like the same, the same thing that you think of DK? Yeah. I, because I, I hate to tell you this, but DK is not Richard Sherman on that level at all. I'm not even close. No, I, I thought the same of Sherman and DK. I was, I hated Sherman. No, I'm like, that's my point is that DK is not Richard Sherman at all. So, so I just want to just quickly go off a little bit because I made that TikTok, um, you know, kind of went off and I had a lot of Seahawks fans telling me how much Kyler Murray sucks in the comments. Um, I would love, would love for Kyler Murray to be able to go for six touchdown, uh, sorry, seven total touchdowns and nine turnovers. Um, and my team to be able to go two and three, um, because that would be great. That would be that would be beautiful. But Kyler Murray, who is uh, sucking in his last uh, five games since they've started to lose and go one and four, um, has uh, 12 total touchdowns um, and five turnovers. I would love for Kyler Murray to be able to do that and not get any hate. It, it, people are really quiet about Russ right now, and it, it, it's 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 funny because I think they're very similar levels of quarterbacks at this point. And it's, it's, no. it's funny. Yeah, but that. you have to understand, Russ is a media darling. So he's always going to get that, like, brand of love. And he's gotten it for the last <laughs> eight years. That's why I have, like, a little vendetta against him. Because I like to be the descending opinion. And, like, he, he is absolutely beloved. But at the same time, everyone. at the same time, like, we're acting like nobody has been critical of Russ and like every single Seattle media no, out, media is outlet, really quiet. Right no, now. not in the, not of the Seattle. Nice maybe, us. maybe nationally because since they're not good, there's no reason to talk about them. Like, like it's it's the whole East Coast bias thing. Like, the the meet the national media will talk about East Coast like main market teams that are bad because everyone wants to hear about them. They when the Seahawks are bad, nobody talks about them. When the Seahawks are good, people talk about them because they're on people's radars. But there's no reason to talk about the Seahawks if they're not performing good. Does that make sense? Because nobody cares. No, but but Do you know what the I mean, level though? of stardom that Russell Wilson has achieved, regardless sure. of how big of a market the no, city of you, Seattle do you, is. Do you understand? Like, there's no there's no yeah. reason to talk about Russell Wilson unless he's playing well. And that's not his fault. That's not Seattle's fault. That's not anyone's no, fault. Even, even when he wasn't what playing I, particularly well over you, the course of the first seven years of his career, he was treated like the second coming of Christ by the national media. He he is a media darling, and I'll tell you why. It's because yeah, sure. it's because he's a great mo- role model. An outstanding person, and and you know, keep in mind all these guys who work at ESPN, 
there a lot of them are either a former players or b get to interact with players and russ is an a1 person everyone loves him so he gets a lot of passes. that totally makes sense why you hate him nate you just spent like 10 minutes talking about how amazing of a person he is. Yeah. No, I don't hate him. I hate the way that he's treated. And I, I, no, look, I so resent. Can, I, can I, I get to my point? Let me with, finish really quick. Well, you interrupted me first. But it's well, okay. I have to say, you know, because of, you know what I'm about to do. Uh, I know I'm being a dick, but I resent Russell Wilson because I watched for seven years uh, as people repeatedly tried to tell me that he was better than Andrew Luck. And that, that's really what it boils down to as to why I resent Russ. Nothing to do with who he is as a person. It doesn't get any better than him. Well, look, okay, like he's an so, awesome guy. So back to my point. Yeah, maybe the national media has been quiet, and that's why I think that is. But Seattle media, everyone is asking the questions, like, "What the hell, Russ? Like, we need more from our guy that we're paying thirty million something dollars." Like the expect, like it's no longer like, "Oh, but it's Russ." Like, no, your entire franchise is invested in your quarterback, Russell Wilson. It, look, your elite franchise quarterback should be able to get the ball back with a minute and a half left against the New York freaking football giants and lead a scoring touchdown drive to win the game. Like he's done all career. What the hell was that? I'm the I'm asking the questions, Nate. I am. Yeah. Who do you think you are? I am. All right. Okay. I like, it. I like that you're all right. demanding more from him. Like, I holy crap. That. Yeah, that's fair. We're paying this guy how much money he can't do yeah. that? No, but all... He puts up nine offensive points. Wait, ten offensive points yeah. against the New York Giants. You can't outscore Colt McCoy. No, but see, even when even you have the he, number one ranked power for, pro football focused linebacker uh, on your defense, um, along with Jamal Adams, who has eight and a half sacks or whatever. No, but what I'm saying is, I, I think fundamentally your view of Russell Wilson is very different than mine, and that's why you're able to like demand those questions. And I respect how you view Russ because how you're reacting to that is pretty similar to how I would react if the exact same game were played with the exact same circumstances and Luck or Peyton blew a game. I would react the same way. But I don't think that Russ is on their level of quarterback, which is why I wouldn't necessarily agree with the outrage because I, it doesn't shock me that much. I will say, and, and I've said this about Russ a lot. No, you're, wait, so even, you're, you're saying that you didn't expect more of Russ in that football game? No, I did. Well, then... It just shocks me less than if, a, if, if an egg got laid by prime Tom Brady. Prime Andrew Luck, prime Peyton Manning, prime John Elway, prime Aaron Rodgers. Stop putting prime Andrew Luck in that conversation, please. He is. You could you could take the I'm not, seven I'm not years the that one, Andrew Luck I'm, was in the, in the league, and you could put up uh, him against any player to ever step on a field in terms of value, and he's very comparable to any player of all time. He'll never be there in an all-time ranking. I will never call Andrew Luck a top-10 quarterback of all time because, A, he quit. <laughs> And B, there, there's no longevity there, right? You have to have longevity to be in that discussion, which is why when we're ranking all-time great quarterbacks, he'll never be there. And you have to, but if you want to say, you know, make a Super Bowl. If you want to, uh, fair enough. If you want to say in terms of value, yeah, exactly. You never had a top 26, 27 roster in football. Um, if you want to say in terms of value, yeah, I'll put Andrew Luck up against any football player ever. In terms of value, he took a two and fourteen team to eleven and five as a twenty-two year old. He went out for a year. They're four and twelve. He comes back. They're ten and six. You, but you literally just said he's not a top ten cornerback of all time. So you can't put him in that conversation when you're. Uh, the reason that, that I, doesn't matter. The reason, that, the reason, the reason that topic, I use though. there's two reasons that I use luck as a point of comparison for Russ. One is that I'm a salty Colts fan who's pissed off that he retired, and I spent five six years of my life arguing that luck was better than Russ. So that's not something that I can let go of super easily. 
And the other reason is that it actually makes sense logically to compare the two because they came into the league the same year. They had a few prime years that you could compare to one another. And then there's there's some logical reasons to compare them aside from me just being a jerk. I don't know. I think every single person was every person every person who follows the NFL was extremely surprised that former MVP frontwater Russell Wilson was not able to lead this offense to beat Colt McCoy. You're saying that like Pete, you're not shocked? No. Uh yes. I'm saying I'm surprised, but I'm not stunned. I expected more, but this isn't the most shocking thing to ever happen. Because no, I've, but... I've never thought of Russ as being on that level. So Russ can have a bad game in my mind because he's had bad games throughout his career. It's it's nothing new or shocking or stunning for me. If Lamar Jackson had like dropped a game to the like I don't know, like the Bengals. Okay. Would you not have been just utterly shocked? Like yeah, that but just the, shouldn't the Bengals happen. are worse than the Giants. The Giants aren't that bad of a sure. football team. They had look, Russ had a lot of pressure in his face, and I no, even, the Giants, I even told the you Giants this. defense and played very well. They definitely as, surprised me. As far as my eyes can tell, as of today, Russell Wilson is the third most valuable player in the NFL behind Mahomes and Rodgers. Okay, he's a phenomenal quarterback who has progressed into one of the best in the business, and like you know, he had some pressure in his face. He had a bad game. Like, like, I don't know what to say. Like, the, the Giants' defense is not that bad. I thought he looked fine. You know, visually, I don't see any difference, and that's what I was trying to tell you when we were texting, is that, like, I, I, I don't see any, you know, it's not like there's been a loss of mechanics or, like, he has a ling- lingering injury that no one knows about. He looks like himself back there. He looks as comfortable in the pocket as ever. He still has that escapability that he's always had. You know, he still made a couple throws in that game, specifically against Philly down the field, that were just phenomenal. And it's like, okay, there's Russ throwing another great deep ball. But the production's dropped off. So then, like, sort of what I wanted to talk about on the pod today that we've gotten really off track from, <laughs> from you two, is, like, like where can Russ take this team the rest of the year, given his, like, crazy regression over the last five weeks? Baylor, I'll let, I'll let you go first, then I can give my take. I, I mean, I still think they should win the division. Like, I think they're better than the Rams, but, I mean, the Rams' defense is solid. Um, the Rams have to play the Cardinals one more time, the Seahawks one more time, I know, off the top of my head. I think they have to play the Giants and then someone else. Um, those are all winnable games. They do own tiebreaker. Um, but, I mean, I think that they they have the talent, and if Russ is this good, they should win the division. Um, but, I mean, I, I don't know. It would – it would surprise me if, if they, if they don't. I think that they're. This division's really good, um, but I I think that Russ uh, being a top three quarterback in the NFL, consensusly, needs to lead his team to the. How far How far do you think they can make it in the playoffs? Depends on their matchup first round because if they get matched up with a team like, I don't know. I don't think they can beat the Bucks. I don't think they can beat the. I don't think they can beat the Packers. I don't think they can because if they end up as a wild card, I think they're losing first round. Unless they get like the Giants or the. I, they, I think they would. They would definitely be the five seed then. It would most likely be the Giants that they would get just because of the Bucks, fall off. That's true. Yeah, but I mean, yeah, I mean, if well, if they finish ten and six, there's a chance that the Bucks. Uh, who knows? I mean, uh, they probably, if they play the Giants first round, whoever wins the NFC East, they probably win. If they play any of the division winners, I would be surprised if they win. If they play 
the uh, unless it's the Rams, because in that scenario they would they would um, they would get the Rams if that makes sense. So Rams Giants, but the other two they beat or they lose to, and then uh, if they I, I don't know I, I don't think I think I don't, I think Super Bowl is wild for this team at this point. Um, it, I mean who knows. I think the Packers and Saints have solidified themselves as two of the better teams in the conference right now. Nate, what do you think? I think that Russell Wilson is a very valuable football player capable of winning a playoff game this year. And, you know, the matchups are going to be interesting. If they end up winning the division, claiming a three-seed, the Rams get the five seed and they end up matching with the Bucks in the first round. Uh, I told Ethan before the pod started that I, I do think the Seahawks are going to win the division. And, you know, I haven't, I haven't bet football in a while, as you guys know who listen. Uh, I've been terrible picking games lately, but uh, good job on me to self-identify that and avoid betting. Uh, I will re- make my return to betting to bet on the Seahawks the next time they play the Rams. Just because it's tough I, to beat the same team twice in a year. I think the Seahawks have a big edge in that game, and I think that they'll go out and beat the Rams win the division and it'll be interesting to see how these first round playoff matchups shake up because I think against the Bucks they could be in trouble. I think against the Packers they're in a ton of trouble. I could see them, you know, and it's it's weird and maybe my opinions aren't evolving enough because I've had the same two teams in the NFC for the last few weeks despite the Bucks playing terribly. But I really do think the Bucks and Packers are the two teams in the NFC that I see representing the NFC in the Super Bowl and I think it's going to be the Packers. Because remember, the, the Saints still play the Chiefs the rest of the way. If they slip up once, you know, they're going to lose tiebreaker because the Packers already beat them to claiming that one seed. And if Green Bay is able to get the one seed, and I think they will because they played Detroit, Carolina. I forget what the other two games are, but they have an awful schedule the rest of the way. I think the Packers went out, go 13-3. and three. They do have to beat Tennessee at home, but we all know my thoughts on Tennessee. I think the Packers take the one seed and win the NFC this year. And I don't see Seattle as a threat to them to overtake them because I think essentially what's happening with Russ right now, you know, you're kind of bearing witness to who the Seahawks are as a team because they need him to be, um, not going to say Andrew Luck. They need him to be Tom Brady. They need him to be Peyton Manning. They need him to be Aaron Rodgers. They need him to be, you know, I'm not going to say Drew Brees because Drew Brees missed the playoffs 10 times in his career, but they need him to be that level of player to win four straight games and win a Super Bowl this year. And I don't think that's very realistic, given the limitations of the team. Now, if they're keep in mind they're they're not in a bad spot, uh, they haven't given up a ton of draft capital. If they can find a pass rusher, if they can find some stability in their secondary, and if they can keep the offensive line as good as it's been this year with DK and Lockett moving forward, you know, running backs are fairly easy to find. If Chris Carson were to walk, I think they'll be able to keep him. They're going to be able to compete for Super Bowls, but I, I don't see it this year. With this team, it really all comes down to getting hot at the right time. Um, obviously, we saw this team just absolutely catch fire the first uh, six weeks of the season. Um, and even after that, the the offense was still very good. They've gotten into a little bit of a rut. Two games against very mediocre teams the next two weeks against the Jets and the, the Washington football team. If you can't find your groove there, like, 
say goodbye, but I'm still holding up. If, if Russell Wilson, like, catches fire, catches fire, right? I don't think a Super Bowl is out of the question. Is that likely? No. And I'm not, like, betting on that. I'm just saying that, like, I'm not, like, closing. I'm not saying there is absolutely no chance the Seahawks make the Super Bowl. Because I think there is. Because we have Russell Wilson. But it's not like the most likely scenario for this team. I don't think they get bounced first round because you have Russell Wilson and Pete Carroll. I just, they yeah, they, but look just at Look happen. at the way Tampa matches up. Say hypothetically that it ends up, say I'm right for a second, the way the rest of the regular season pans out, which sure, is but very Bay, possible Tampa that I'm Bay, wrong. Tampa Bay probably wins out. It, no, but and that's, the Rams probably lose two games. So if we win okay. the division, we probably play the Rams. So say, say you get the Rams first round at home. Say second round you get to go to New Orleans or Green Bay, and then you got to go to New Orleans or Green Bay and win a third game. You're gonna win three straight games. If, if two of Russell, them on the road. If Russell Wilson, kept, like absolute fire, like if he plays like he was at the beginning it. of the season, yeah, you're but, telling me that no, he but plays I think like teams, he did. Teams in the were first rusty four because weeks. there was no preseason. I think I think it was just a unique hot streak of a player putting up numbers that are not consistent with who he's been throughout his career. I don't think he's that guy. Because he looked like Peyton Manning for five weeks. He looked like Aaron Rodgers for I five weeks. I think he's weeks. perfectly capable of that. See, and that, and exactly. He's capable of going for 14 touchdowns and one interception in his first three games every single week. Like, that's normal. Yeah. I'm not saying like, that's normal. I, I never said that was normal. No, he's I said not. He was he's capable say, of yeah. it. See, and no, but see, I'm glad that we were able to dive into the conversation enough to get to that exact point. Because if there's one thing for whoever the hell is actually listening to this right now, if there's one thing to pull away from like where you and I differ, it's that exact sentence right there. Like like right there, you just said it. Like you're like, I think he could do that. And and I don't think he can. I don't think there's he's not, of that caliber. There's not many players in the NFL that like I think there's one. There's one player, maybe two players in the NFL that like week in, week out, I'm like, okay, they can go for four and four four or five touchdowns. Pat Mahomes, Aaron Rodgers. That's it. And even A Rod at this point is yeah. You know, he's, like he's it's literally exactly like it, it's it's Pat Mahomes. I don't think Russ is like in the conversation of like, oh, yeah, he he could easily go for four or five touchdowns. There's quarterbacks that probably like six or seven where I'm like, there's a possibility, right? The Big Ben, the Kyler, the Deshaun Watson. I think he's closer to the possibility of four or five rather than. I think he's going to go for four or five. I never said I thought he was going to. I literally said that the Super Bowl is a very slim chance. I'm just not going to say that it's impossible. No, but Ethan, oh, I also want you. I want you to I own don't know that what... those games where he's popping off. To be fair, Atlanta, New England, Dallas, Minnesota. That's not who you're going to be playing in the playoffs. Oh, I understand that. I, I, I'm, just, I'm, I'm, I'm saying still saying there's... I have I have seen Russell Wilson throughout the year show up against these big teams. I mean, that, like who? The, the Seahawks, the Seahawks play what down at their team? competition, and they show up against good teams. That's literally what it's been throughout. They've like lost, the the frustration, like when the Rams were at the bottom of the when the when the Rams were at the bottom of the division. They right? compete with you every year. No, exactly. Me, like, and then we would go and blow the doors no, off of the San Francisco 49ers on Sunday Night Football with Navarro Bowman and oh, and Patrick the, Willis. Who are the good teams of you beat? I'm not talking. I'm I'm talking throughout Russell Wilson's yeah. career. No, okay, exactly. This, but I want to address that. I'm not point. saying this because I think Russ is a different player this season than he's been throughout his career. I think he's improved. We are seeing the apex of Russell Wilson. This is the best he's been, and even the best he's been has fallen short over the last few weeks. And I think that's indicative of what could potentially happen in a playoff game. Sure, I'm not. I'm not arguing that. Or maybe like 
you know, so that way you could argue it all say is, is likely to happen in a playoff game. So I would disagree with that. Yeah. I mean, that I, I look, I, I'm these, <laughs> I, I'm not, I'm not saying anything definitively because it's very much up in the air with just with, with how inconsistent Russ has been this season, very bipolar. Not inconsistent, just bipolar, no, it, right? You've seen both no, sides of the spectrum. It's not like he's flipping fully. week in, week out. We no, saw exactly. seven weeks of phenomenal football. Right. And since then, we've seen five weeks of, you know, and like I said, optically, I think he's still been good. So I, I, I try to, like, keep it in perspective and not trip out too much about the numbers. Yeah. But essentially, he's gone from looking like Peyton Manning or Patrick Mahomes to looking like Russell Wilson. No. he the You're telling me that his play the last three weeks has been Russell Wilson. I think it's been worse. I think the production looks bad. The numbers look bad, but I still think that he has performed as a player to what I believe is like, you know, a very good football player. I don't know. I mean, but like, but I'm saying he was, he got off to that. The last, the last few weeks, he's not been a bad, a good football player. He's in Carson Wentz level of bad the last few weeks. No, I disagree. No, because no, no. but Baylor, I I know why you're saying that. 12 turnovers. 11 turnovers? No, like, wasn't that? Wasn't 11 that turnovers. I know it's I know over the last 5 weeks it's been 6 touchdowns to 5 picks and I know that that's a bad look. I know that's a bad look, but I have a lot of faith in Russell Wilson, like to be a good quarterback. And, and like I said, visually, I test. Sorry, 5 fumbles. He doesn't he, he doesn't an interception or 10 turnovers. He doesn't look heinous to me. He's kept them in football games. Like against Philly, yeah, sure, that's an underwhelming stat line against a good defensive line. But like he, he did what he had to do to win the game, and they're still he's still playing winning football. Like he doesn't need to go out and throw eight touchdowns every week for them to win football games. He needs to be like very good. And, and to your point, or sorry, no, go I'm ahead, Baylor. You're good right now. Uh, earlier in the season, when you said I wish Kyler could go for uh, one thirty three and three, or sorry, it was. I'm trying to remember. Oh, it was the Dallas game uh, where Kyler could go for uh, 188 yards and two touchdowns. Uh, Russell Wilson won a game against the Cardinals going for 197 yards and two touchdowns. So Because that's what he was asked to do, though. Like, I don't follow I know, Russell I know, Wilson. But, 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 but earlier in the season, I can literally probably find the clip of Ethan saying, I wish Kyler Murray, or I wish Russell Wilson could do what Kyler Murray did and win a football game. That's Look, I mean, like, like, you can pull up so many numbers from, like, Peyton's career where he threw, well, I know it's a different era, too. I'm not. I'm not even talking. I'm. I'm. I'm not even like. You don't need to defend Ethan here. It's just like, he specifically said that, and I was like, dude, like, come on. He's had four good weeks in a row, and then, wait, now, what? What was it? What was it that I said? I'm lost. You said I wish. I wish Russell Wilson could go for 188 yards and two touchdowns with this defense and win a football game. Yeah, and the defense has the improved, Cardinals. and now he's able Against to do the that. Cardinals. What do you mean? The defense has literally improved, and now he can do that. And we've seen it the last do you see that the, the win against the Eagles and the win against the Cardinals. The the defense at that point was not at a state where Russell Wilson could put up that stat line and win a game. They got Carlos Dunlap, they got healthier, Jamal Adams is back. They're using him the right way now. And they're winning football games because the defense is performing better. What they're do you not mean? winning football games. Since those signings, they're three and three. No, I'm saying the the Cardinals win and the Eagles win were both wins where Russell Wilson didn't need to put up a big stat line to be able to win because the defense played much better. That's yeah, the whole point. They've lost a bunch of other games. Yeah, I'm not so, I'm I'm not saying okay, I don't, I, don't like, I have no idea what you're arguing be, right to now. To be fair, let's let's break it down by loss 
that the loss to the Cardinals, believe it or not, I know Russ threw three picks and everyone wants to burn him at the stake for it. I don't blame that game on him. He had to push the ball to win the game because they could not stop Kyler Murray. I don't fault him there. I fault him for the Buffalo loss, the Rams yeah. loss, and the Giants loss. And if he played phenomenally, they may have won those games. But what I'm saying is that I don't think that the standard that Russell Wilson is going to be an MVP caliber quarterback every week is a realistic one. Yeah, and I think no, that those I, losses are I never okay. said that either. I'm just saying that if Russ gets hot, this team can make a playoff push. I didn't say it was likely. No, but I think the problem that I, at least that I'm finding in this is that. No, but it, it's so confusing because if Russ gets hot, then his defense has to play bad. No. Whoa. What? That's the, that's, no, that's, I, I sort of see what he's saying. What, that's in essence what you're saying. No, so but if Russ plays good, his defense has to play bad. No, that's, so then that's, that's not what Ethan's saying. Makes, no, that makes that's, zero sense. That's not what all. Ethan's saying, but I'm going to try to like decipher what you're no, getting at. What you're saying is that Russell Wilson puts up numbers in games in which he has to score in. Whereas, yes. okay. Now that his defense is good, he's asked to, the ball is taken out of his hands and he's no longer putting up numbers, and that's why they're losing. If you're referring to what you just quoted me on, that's just not at all what I was talking about. Because you said, the quote that I said was, I wish Russ could put up a mediocre stat line and still be able to get the Seahawks a win. And I was like, well, yeah, because the defense, we didn't have Carlos Dunlap yet. Jamal Adams was hurt. It was literally on the- All this stuff back, they're three and three and Russell's playing like shit. So I don't understand. No, but Baylor, I disagree that he's playing like shit. Like, I know that the turnover numbers the look bad. The stat lines are terrible. Yeah, I know like, the stat lines are terrible. I Believe me, like, I, I get where you're coming from, and as much as I would love in my heart of hearts to just pile on Russ right now, I don't think that those awful stat lines are indicative of what we're going to see the rest of the season, and I think that's what I've been, like, trying to get at, is that I think he is somewhere, and this is why I use the word regression to the mean, even though I think the mean is far better than where he's been playing at. Sort of like he was playing out of his mind the first seven weeks, the numbers have been terrible the last few weeks, but I think still optically he looks fine to me. And what I'm saying is I think the production will go back up, not to where it was, but to a pretty good level. And it's going to be enough for them to win a playoff game. And, you know, definitely I, I think to beat the Rams and win the division. I, but that's, that's where I see the Seahawks finishing this you year. You hear what I'm saying, Ethan, because you're saying that for them, for him to get hot, right? Like, that to to win uh, to make a Super Bowl run, he has to get hot. For him to get hot and put up numbers, they the defense has to be playing bad. Because if the no, defense is playing good, no. the ball gets taken that's out of not, his hands. That's not what I'm saying. No, but that's not an inherent truth that the ball gets taken out of his hands when the defense is playing good. That's been a decision that's made by the coaching staff as of late. But like if you look at if you look at his pass attempts, they haven't really depleted that much. Like there there's been somewhat of a fall off since the improved defense and the fact but that yards, Chris Carson's coming back. Yards per attempt. That's the main yeah, thing for me. Exactly. Nine, but, 10, 7, 10 the first week. No, exactly. And now it's down to 6, 7, 7, 6. But Baylor, your point about the ball being taken out of his hands might not necessarily be true as we go into the playoffs is what I'm saying. Just because their defense is playing better doesn't mean that the ball is guaranteed to be taken out of Russell's hands. Now, look, like when I when I say like hot, like the first couple of weeks, like in the first half of games, he would have one or two incompletions, like when he was playing out yeah, of his no, mind. Yeah, no, but he was playing terrible teams, Ethan. I understand that, but that's what I'm saying. When he gets hot, it's not the, like, seven touchdowns. It's just every time he drops back to pass, he is making, he is gaining positive yardage, and, like, you know what I mean? Like, he's, yeah, he's playing efficient football, which he has not been lately. The completion okay. percentage has been down. The yards per attempt has been down because the p- completion percentage has been down because he hasn't been as sharp. 
That's what I'm talking about. When he's hot, he's sharp. He's not missing a play. He's not missing a read. Like, when he's playing out of his mind, which he can do. Do you, do you think he's missed throws lately or just, Yeah, like, I think he's missing receivers. I think the receivers aren't getting as much separation. Like, it's both. Yeah, uh, there you go. That's what I was getting at because I think yeah, a lot of it's just he's facing increased pressure because exactly. he's playing better defenses and more guys are covered. He has to go through his progressions a little bit more. His first read's not always open. And then I think, you know, that that's part of the things that define great quarterbacks, and that's why... Oh, yeah, he's or, no 100, 100% it's him missing throws. I, I'm sorry that that wasn't like super clear. Like, he's definitely missing. No, I'm I'm on the other side. Oh, no, 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 missing. I think he's missing less throws than you would believe he is based on the terrible production that he's had. No, I'm saying like he's missing open guys, not specific throws. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, fair enough. I think he's just not seeing, like, I don't know if it's something pre snap or something that game plan they just need to modify, but. All right, final answer. I'm going to say Rams lose, or Rams, Seahawks lose in the divisional round of the playoffs this year. I think they find a way to get matched up with the Rams, beat them. They they could beat the Saints if they end up getting matched up with the Packers. I don't think they win it. And I think on the off chance that they end up playing the Bucks, they lose in the first round. Uh, so I'll say divisional round is where I see them getting bounced this year. Look, I, okay. I myself. I want to wrap this up so we can cover some other shit today. I, so. Well, we're already at. That's what I'm saying. So let's an do. An hour 12. So, so let's do one like other another, NFL like, topic. Five. Okay, sure. Yeah. I think. Look, I will be surprised if the Seahawks are in the Super Bowl. My whole point is that it's not impossible. I will say, do not be surprised if they're playing for an NFC championship. But I want a prediction. Because I could see a lot of outcomes too, and that's why I described those, but I gave a prediction. You got to pick something. You got to take yeah, a stand think, for me here. I think, well, I think that the, the next two weeks are going to be very like telling yeah and we can update our stuff but right sure. now from Ethan right. McReynolds mouth I want to know what round the Seahawks are going to lose in or if they're going to win the Super Bowl right now the most likely scenario is that they win one playoff game and they get they get dumped okay Baylor um I'll stick with mine if they play the Rams or the Giants they'll win if they play the other the top two teams they'll lose so we have a consensus in all that arguing that we see a similar ceiling for the Seahawks is what I'm getting at I, yeah, I don't understand but what, I think what dis- all the pushback was. The discrepancy. Well, no, <laughs> I, have, no, I, I was so the, lost that I whole time. I think the discrepancy is in like what we view Russell Wilson's ceiling as as a player. Yeah, I yeah. Because I, I think, and this is this is why I've kind of like prodded you toward this on past episodes and stuff. I would love for you to take the stance like Russell Wilson's a top ten quarterback of all time, so that way I could argue you on it. I don't. I don't think he's there yet. No, but what you're asking him to do are things that I would only ask probably five or six guys to ever step on a field that I would say I think they can do. Well, that. and that's the problem with like the that, roster structure, and I've me. talked about it. And look, Dan, Dan, you know Dan, I mean? Dan Marino never won a Super Bowl. Aaron Rodgers has only won one. Those are two guys that would be on my list of probably seven or eight guys who I could like take the Seahawks' current roster and say, okay, yeah, I can add that guy to that roster, and I might win a Super Bowl. Yeah. And I don't think that Russell Wilson's one of those seven or eight guys. No, I'm not saying. But I think a lot, of, psych- a lot of I'm folks in Seattle think he is. I'm not saying that nation. it's like likely, but like I think that he's capable of it. Well, I guess we're going to find out. Yeah, we will. Okay, you guys want to do one more? Either either like the NFC East or the Steelers, and then we'll save like awards. Yo, I, well, I wanted to episode. do the Steelers as one of my takeaways, so we can talk about them right now, actually, especially given Colin Cowherd's little yeah. rant. That was funny, right? Um, you want to yeah, close was, out with this? Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. Um, that was, yeah, so, well, the Steelers lose to the, the Washington football team uh, yesterday. Um, or, no, two days ago, sorry. Dropping this one, 23-7 team. Uh, their first loss of the season, this was definitely in the cards. Steelers have not been playing the best football lately. 
Um, who did they they almost dropped to? They almost dropped to the the Baltimore Ravens running a third string quarterback. Um, so I I don't know. I wasn't incredibly surprised to see them drop to a Washington football team that is a little sneaky. I mean, like, look, they're not going to do anything in the playoffs, but they're I think they're a better team than people give them credit for. Um, I don't know, Nate. What's your overall outlook on the Steelers for the rest of the season? I think the Steelers. Colts, Ravens are the three teams that are in basically the same boat, whereas you're you're seeing two teams that I believe are being way overhyped right now, the Titans and Bills. Uh, and I see a few teams that I think are being, un- oddly that this, that I would call the Steelers underrated because they're 11-1, and one. but I, I think they're probably the second or third best team in the AFC. Um, and I think they're going to meet and end whenever they play the Chiefs. The Chiefs are going to go to the Super Bowl. There, there's just such a substantial gap to me that was shown in this game because you had a lot of, you know, there's Steelers fans and then there's the rest of the country. So Steelers fans thought that, you know, we're undefeated. We're on the level of the Chiefs. That's tier one is the Chiefs and us. Well, no, tier one's the Chiefs. And then just like way down the train. And then tier two, I at least for me, I know that Baltimore struggled lately. I, I do think that Indy, Baltimore, and Pitt are probably the three next teams. And, and you know, however the first round of the playoffs shakes up, I'll probably have all three of those teams winning. Uh, their first playoff games, if Baltimore is in fact able to get in, and looking at Miami's schedule the rest of the way, I think they will be. Um, you know, obviously, unless they play one another, but Pittsburgh's just one of these teams that they're probably going to win a playoff game. They might even win two playoff games. I don't think that they're. You know, a lot of people have said the worst eleven and one team in NFL fit history. Look, I think this is a good team. I think they'd have a lot better of a chance if Devin Bush and Bud Dupree weren't out for the year. Um, but even going into the playoffs, like they're, they're probably going to beat everyone outside of Indy and Baltimore who I think can beat them until they play KC, and then they're going to lose to KC. I could see the Bills beating them. I couldn't. Personally. See, that's where I disagree. I think the Steelers beat I don't, the Bills. I, I wouldn't like pick the Bills or anything in that matchup, but they I, I would. They, they play this week, and look, even if Baltimore, uh, excuse me, Buffalo beats them in a regular season game where they kind of have more riding on this game, I would still, like if they were to run it back in, in any playoff capacity, I would – Strongly take the Steelers. To I'm win just that saying, game. like you, you were you were talking about, like not being like super surprised by like Russ against the Giants or something. Like I wouldn't be surprised at all if the Bills beat the the Steelers and the Steelers were to exit the playoffs prematurely. Give me a percentage chance that Buffalo beats Pittsburgh in a playoff game. Uh, I mean, not over fifty because I'd have it around like 25, 20, 25. I, I'd go like thirty five. Okay. Like yeah, yeah, you know. Like, I, I would have money on Pittsburgh in that playoff game. I, I think Pitt... No, I, I wouldn't touch that game, If personally. Pitt's matched up, even with them not being, you know, as good as 11-1 and one would make you think they are, if they're playing not the Ravens, not the Colts, and not the Chiefs in a playoff game, I, I like them pretty strongly to win. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I would take Pittsburgh, too. I've, I've been higher on Pittsburgh this year than you guys have, and I think that... Most of that has to do with I love Juju. Um, but, I mean, like, I think that I agree, Nate. If they had Devin Bush, Bud Dupree, and I mean, like, dude, if they had just traded for Leonard Fournette, like, I genuinely think that this team would be, like, the consensus best team in the NFL. Like, I get injuries happen, but, like, if those three things stayed the same, nah. I think that this – like. That defense That's a is little really bit of an exaggeration. The only thing I'm going to push back on, and look, I, I agree that those are three very valuable players and they'd have a much better chance, but do you, you would, like, say those guys are healthy and they meet Casey in an AFC championship game, that's enough for you to take the Steelers to beat the Chiefs? 
Yeah, because James Conner's bad, and Beanie Snell is bad, and Anthony Farland is bad. Like, they, their running backs are just not good. Yeah, but, like, like, I don't think that you could put Christian McCaffrey or Saquon on them, and they're going to beat Kansas City. I think you're crazy. I think you put Albert okay, that, that's a different conversation, Leonard Fournette. No. I don't, I don't I think, would, I I don't think Leonard Chiefs. Fournette. I don't think Leonard Fournette is the difference between the Steelers and the Chiefs. If you had a Saquon, though, if you put Saquon like, on the crap. Steelers and you revived Bud Dupree and Devin Bush back to health, and they played a playoff game in Kansas City, I'm going to pick the Chiefs. I don't think I, I, I think get, I, get, I think it would be interesting. I get the better coach. I get the far better quarterback. I get the better offensive well, we're weapons. Not, we're not just going to. I get the best tight end in Mike football. Tomlin, are we? Yeah. Compared to Andy Reid, yeah. Interesting. I don't know. No offense to Mike. Mike Tomlin's a top five, six coach in football, but there's a gap that's sizable now, look, between him and Mike uh, Andy Reid. Now, look, yeah, like having the ball. I, I, think the, I think the biggest problem with the Steelers, and that's why I'm so low on them, is that they put the ball in Ben Roethlisberger's hands way too much for my liking. Like a team led by, you know what I mean? Like, a team that's quarterbacked by Ben Roethlisberger at this stage needs to be a very run-heavy, like Ben Roethlisberger just they needs just to like do run. enough to win a football game. They just can't run the ball. They ran the ball for like 12 yards. No, exactly. No, that, Washington, that, that's Washington's what I'm saying. Like pretty good. That's what I'm saying, that if they added a Saquon, you could literally just like ride the running game, and I think that's how you could beat Kansas City with Ben Roethlisberger as your quarterback. But I just think there's so many limitations with Big Ben. At, at this age, like he's done more than I expected him to, but there are obviously limitations. Um, and I think that Washington was able to expose some of them. I don't know. That's, that's my, you can only do so much with big Ben as your quarterback. No, yeah, dude, I mean, big Ben's like still pretty freaking good. He's yeah. He's, he's, he's okay. I mean, they're fourth, Top half to the league. Last, they're fourth to last in the NFL in rushing yards. Yeah. The only teams that are worse than them are the Bengals, bears and Texans. Yeah. Which is like, that's I don't think problem. I don't think like Leonard Fournette like drastically I, fixes that though. I th- I think he fixes that. Has he been like, that good for Tampa though? He's not even no. the lead back in Tampa, but you would presume that he would be the lead back in Pittsburgh and given the right amount of carries, I think he would drastically improve their running game. But even with that, I think if and look, this is why I think so freaking highly of what Chris Ballard has built in Indianapolis. But if you're going to make the Super Bowl in the AFC, at the end of the day, you're going to have to outscore Patrick Mahomes. I don't care how good your defense is. There's no defense in the world. Now, granted, you have to have a defense good enough to limit him. You're just not going to stop Pat Mahomes. So the team that, you know, would have the best chance to beat the Chiefs is a team that can limit Mahomes and outscore him. And ideally, if you're looking at teams that have been able to contend with the Chiefs this year, keep them off the field altogether. And that was the dominant strategy against Peyton Manning for over a decade. Was that, okay, we're not going to stop him, so the best thing that we could do is run the ball 40 times today. Keep him on the sideline, keep him out of rhythm, and hope that our defense can get a few key stops. And that was the dominant strategy for trying to beat Peyton. And, you know, Tom, that didn't work because you couldn't run on New England ever. But against Peyton, it worked, you know, decently well. And that was with, I think he had like seven, 12, and four better seasons in a row. But the games that the Colts lost were because teams could just pound the football and keep him off the field. So those are sort of the two options that you have when playing KC, and ideally you would be able to mix the two. And that's, that's why I'm saying I don't see any team in the AFC right now that's capable of beating KC. Now the team that I do think is capable of beating them that could meet them in a Super Bowl is the Green Bay Packers. The Packers have the, the team that you want to beat them. They can run the ball. 
to keep Mahomes out of rhythm, and they have a quarterback capable of keeping up late in games that can answer him and put points on the board. You don't think – I mean, it's the Browns, but like – No, see, I – because They have the literal best running game in football. Like literally by That's a very good best. point. And that, that – it would be effective enough to keep them off the field if the Browns had a secondary – then you might be onto something, but they would need a much better quarterback and a much better secondary and a healthy Odell. And not Baker Mayfield at quarterback. That's why I said a better quarterback. I don't think okay. Baker's oh, that Baker's bad. Baker's been good. Like mm. these last few he had weeks. One, he, had, he had a good game. Mm. No, he, he has not turned the ball. He is, he is the only quarterback in the last, I think it's 160 pass attempts who hasn't turned the ball over. Yeah, Deshaun Watson was on that level too until he met Kenny Moore this weekend. But I mean, like, there's just limitations with Baker. Baker's not going to go out and out score oh, Patrick Mahomes in a football I, I, game. I, I was just bringing them up because they have the best yeah. rushing attack in football. Yeah, and that, and look, uh, that that's something that could be very helpful. I just you know to beat them in a playoff game, like right now, and, and maybe I'm just like not jumping off a sinking ship, but like Baltimore still comes to mind. Like I really think they have the talent if Lamar ever figured it out, you know, to to, to be able to answer the Chiefs. But yeah, it's it's just. I don't see an AFC team being able to beat the Chiefs this year. I think the Chiefs are going back to the Super Bowl, whether or not they actually, you know, repeat and win two in a row is another discussion. Um, but it's it's very hard for me to see an AFC team knocking off the Chiefs. And, you know, a little bit of a homer mentality here. I truly believe the Colts are the second best team in the AFC. Roster-wise, top to bottom, what we've been able to do defensively this year is – Phenomenal. I think as of right now, especially with the injuries in Pittsburgh, that we have the best defense in the AFC. We've had a running game since Phillip Rivers' first few games there where he was looking a little bit shaky. He's kind of gotten his act together. Coming back against Green Bay showed me a lot. Being able to dominate Tennessee on that Thursday night showed me a lot. It's restored my faith in old Philly Dilly a little bit. And, you know, quite frankly, I'm going to pick the Colts to win until we meet our end in Kansas City. But, like, it's the same thing, though. Everyone's looking up at the one team, in my opinion. Yeah. Because, like, and even with me thinking the Colts are the second-best team in the AFC, I think that the Dolphins are the eighth-best team in the AFC, and I give the Dolphins a better chance against the Colts than I give the Colts against the Chiefs. Like, it's just that big of a gap that I think the yeah, Chiefs I, are just I, looking I, down at everyone. I, I would agree with that part. Um, I, It's just a jumble of teams and the Chiefs, I feel like, right? That's, that's the way I feel. In both the AFC and the NFC, honestly. Who do you think everyone's looking up at in the NFC? The Saints? No, I feel like just in like looking at all teams in the National Football League as a whole, oh. everyone's looking up at Kansas City. No, but there's a couple teams there that I think like are kind of out in the NFC. You know what I mean? I, I think well, the problem with New Orleans is that they're a city full of natural-born chokers, namely <laughs> Drew Brees, uh, who have never been able to do anything outside of their home building in the playoffs. But I mean, like I think the Chiefs or excuse me, the Saints could. I think the Packers could. That's why I'm saying I think whatever team gets to a Super Bowl. I give like a pretty decent chance at overthrowing the Chiefs and preventing the repeat, but I just don't see them losing until that point. And I think that Green Bay is the most, you know, suitable to contend in that game. Yeah. Especially they, they got a, a slept on secondary. Darnell Savage has played a little better. Uh, Jair is starting to live up to his Madden rating a little bit. <laughs> like they're, they're good. Uh, Baylor, any last thoughts before we wrap up? Yeah. I mean, I think the Chiefs are going to win. Uh, after the Ravens fell off, I, I mean, I had the Chiefs uh, preseason the ranked the number one team, and my power rankings, they're still the number one team. Just want to say that. But I mean, other than that, like, 
Yeah, I, I had him at I had him at three. Their defense has been better than I thought. I thought the Niners and you know the Niners injuries, whatever. No, I mean, yeah, but, I I still think that the Niners would be. I think it would be Niners, uh, Chiefs without injuries. Yeah, I mean, you you kind of know what Mahomes is. You kind of know what Andy Reid is. Um, but that defense is playing better than anticipated, top to bottom. I mean, I know that they don't have. You know, big yeah, I mean, names I, everywhere. I really think it's just, dude. I really think it's just like one guy. Like Daniel Swanson has been playing out of his freaking mind. No, but I mean, like, like it's not one guy. You have like Tyron Matthew like, and still, Frank Clark no, and Chris but, Jones. Like, those guys, those guys, you know what you're gonna get. Like those guys are solid players. But Daniel Swanson being like a guy on their defense, and like, do you get what I mean? Like he's been like a top safety this year versus like all those other guys are like, okay, those guys are top guys at their position. Whereas Daniel Swanson's just been no, but a dude. It's more about the way it's come together for me, at least. Like I just, uh, regardless of talent, you're looking at a relatively similar roster to last year's team, but this year's defense just looks better. They look more prepared. They look more cohesive. They look like they're in, in, in a better position to succeed week in week out. Whereas last year, I felt like there was a lot of pressure on their offense to just win them football games. The defense <laughs> is like drastically improved. Anyway. We are moving along in this episode. We're at an hour and a half. Thank you so much for joining us for this longer edition of On the Sidelines. Uh, go follow us on our socials at On the Sidelines on Instagram with the three instead of the E in the the. Go check us out on Apple Podcasts and SoundCloud. And for Baylor and Nate in studio, this has been Ethan. And we'll see you next time on the sidelines.